Thanks for downloading this message from Devoted, the Christ Central Festival for all the family. Christ Central is part of New Frontiers, and our distinctives are made up of four priorities. Being friends, enjoying God together, building churches empowered by word and spirit, advancing the kingdom, transforming the world, and reaching nations, making disciples. Devoted is just one event, but you can find out more about Christ Central and other training opportunities at ChristCentralChurches.org. For more about Devoted, please visit DevotedEvent.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that all this is built on you. You are the cornerstone. It's Christ central. It's from you. It's through you. And it's to you are all things, all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor to our King Jesus. Yes, Lord, we thank you. Amen. Please do take your seats. Thank you again so much, Lou and Nathan, Johnny, Jotham, Jack. Just thank you guys, really appreciate you, really served us so well, thank you brilliantly, brilliant, thank you. Thank you to everyone who served, thank you particularly for our visiting friends from Horsham, part of the family, it's great to have Andy and Joe and all the team that they've brought with them, serving us so magnificently, good to have our friends Dave and Rosie with us, it just feels like family doesn't it? And the other thing about family is we've had people from all over the world. We've had people from Canada, so enjoyed our fellowship and friendship together. We've enjoyed our fellowship with our Mexican friends. Como estas? It's great to have you guys here. But it's a real pleasure right now for me to introduce to you Joseph Mawila. Joseph and I have been walking together for the last four or five years in partnership, in friendship. We honour and esteem the work that Joseph and Lily are doing in Africa. They're not just building great churches, although the churches are great, full of life, full of fun, full of joy, full of passion. But they're reaching out into their local communities with orphanages, with food distribution. They're changing the culture and the climate of the cities and the towns they're working with. They've got great favour upon them. Even politicians starting to notice the grace of God upon them. They really are starting to change and affect culture. I believe this morning Joseph has a word for us. I believe there's going to be a sense of propulsion to what Joseph brings. I believe there's going to be a sense of momentum and a sense of movement to what Joseph brings. So I think... I would want to say to you, check that your safety belt is on, check that you're kind of seated comfortably, because I think there's going to be a little bit of turbulence, there's going to be a little bit of bumps in the road, there's going to be a sense of excitement, there's going to be a sense of adventure, there's going to be a sense of momentum as Joseph brings the word to us. Let's welcome our dear friend, Joseph Mawila. Thank you, Jeremy. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Jeremy, for that uh, amazing introduction. What do you say after that? Uh, It's just great to be here. My wife and I, Lillian, we've been so blessed by your hospitality. May I begin by simply saying thank you to Jeremy and Anne and the entire core team here in the UK for hosting us so well, making us feel so welcome. We are so blessed to be part 
of a larger family, um, but also just to be friends. Um, I take it a very rare opportunity for me to be able to stand here and speak, uh, especially the final word. Uh, when Jeremy said to me, you're going to speak and you'll be speaking last, you know, history tends to repeat itself, doesn't it? Uh, the, those of you who are north, uh, the last north, uh, without any expectation at all, I came just to enjoy north and uh, be part of what was going on, but somehow as the spirit moves, um, Jeremy felt a provocation to actually ask me to come and say the final prayer. So he was reminding me that I was the last one who, the last, as he says, the last voice at North. I don't know if I should be proud of that, <laughs> but that's a history. But so today, with all the wonderful things that are going on, uh, actually to be able to speak the last uh, word, the last message after such a great conference, I feel very privileged, but also a certain sense of what are you doing, God? I, I do believe that many of us will be at a place, even as you go home this afternoon, with that question on your mind, what are you saying, God? Suddenly, over the conference, as uh, Jeremy and team have led us into even, you know, I've been very excited because it's a demonstration of life in the spirit, leadership in the spirit, that, you know, it's not all cut in stone. We are seeking God together and hearing God even on our feet and making decisions along that way. I just felt, me coming from Africa, steeped in orthodoxy and uh, a lot of tradition, that's so refreshing. Can I hear an amen from somebody? It's so refreshing. It's modeling something wonderful for us that when we say we are led by the Spirit, we are actually led by the Spirit. So, I, you know, I, I'm at a bit of a uh, loss this morning because when you're the final speaker... Those of you who are speakers in your various churches, you know this, that, you know, you are kind of going through your message at the beginning of the conference, and then the first speaker comes, and Lee comes, he, he, he speaks, and he talks about the Emmaus Road, and a provocation is there, and opening of eyes. Lee spoke about that, and I thought, well done, Lee. I was actually going to speak about being provoked by the Spirit. But you've done a better job. And then Topi comes. Wasn't that an amazing message? He stares up, uh, us on moving on forward in faith. And he stares us up. And I thought, Topi, stop. Because that was my second point of my message. <laughs> and now I'm thinking, he's done such a tremendous job, I can't talk about that. That's done and dusted. I'm thinking, well, as we are propelled to our destiny, I still have something about the Spirit. So I spend the night praying about the Spirit. And who comes next? Jeremy, with the river of God. Flowing from the presence of God from the altar to the nations. And I'm thinking, Jeremy, just please leave a few points there. 
some kind of something for my message. <laughs> that was a shaping word, Jeremy. It was it shaped my thinking. As I'm going back to Africa, I am thinking and I was dreaming the rivers of God flowing through that continent and beyond. And we are declaring rivers of God flowing in your communities, in your families, and wherever you are, in your companies, those of you running companies or employed, that indeed this river of God shall flow to bear forth fruit. Let's give another clap offering for that awesome message. Jeremy, thanks for that message. It's worth preaching again or listening to again. So what's left of my message? Well, um, you could look at it in two ways. It's like they preached all your messages and you have nothing to say. So I've got the introduction and the conclusion. Uh, Which one do you want first? (laughs) I just feel so honored. I just want to begin... uh, by saying to you this morning that this conference has shaped my life. And as I bring this word, as we finish, I want to just focus on that word, finishing well. Finishing well. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, if you've got your Bible. And I'll be going back to Mark chapter 3, from verse 12 to 14. And I just want to pick up a few headlines because all the uh, bits have been done already. So maybe in many ways, it makes my job easy. Well, as you turn to that verse, and before I read it, let me just say, uh, uh, Jeremy did me a favor earlier on, uh, or not in his message, but when he talked about uh, me not being able to dance. I need just to make that clear, that I can dance. Oh, you don't seem to believe me. Didn't you see the dance over here? Uh, but I'm one of those But uh, that just feels that I'm dancing. Uh, in my spirit, I'm dancing, but my body can't move very well. So if you can... If you are one like that, uh, we, we join hands. But I think I can identify with uh, Jeremy. That's one thing we share in common. Thank you, Jeremy. As he was in Africa, I, I did a quick one on him and I said, look, we're doing graduation. I knew he'd be freaked out on ro- wearing a robe. But Jeremy, thanks that... I gave him a robe, a graduation robe for our 21 students, and they put it on, and I made sure Anne had gone well right ahead, uh, so she doesn't make any comment until he is in church. Uh, That way there are no changes. And uh, African style, we walked in like you should do a proper graduation, uh, thanks to Robin and Dave for making that uh, all the arrangements for that, and Martin Charlesworth. And we walked in with the robe, and I'm thinking to myself, Jeremy is wearing a robe. <laughs> Which is great for us in Africa. I didn't know what was going on uh, in his mind until later on when I came to the UK, he described it. Uh, I won't tell you what he described it like. But I, I, I thought I loved it. Thanks for serving us again, walking together. And accommodating one another. And he did 
the third thing that has made us so welcome in our friendship. It has made him a true missionary in Africa. Can you guess what that, that is? We've been waiting for two years for Jeremy to do this. And finally God gave him the courage. As he sat there, as a true missionary filled with the Holy Spirit, he just did it. Can you guess what very spiritual act is? He ate a caterpillar. Now, I know that may not be very much. I know some of you like Anna going like, eh. well, in Africa, we are working on that. We'll have different flavored caterpillar, chocolate flavored caterpillar, uh, raspberry flavored caterpillar. So some of you thinking about Africa, uh, we are working with this, uh, uh, with, with, uh, with, with Jeremy, my friend, uh, to make that experience easy. But thanks for eating a caterpillar, identifying with us. How many of you fancy eating a caterpillar? Quite a few. Please see me after the service. I've got a few caterpillars. Uh, so he lined up uh, very well. It's been a great partnership. And I want to say thank you to the co team for uh, encouraging us, for standing with us. There's just one thing that I want to uh, report on the recent trip to Africa as I get into this message. And again, my friend Jeremy will remember this, that I was hoping now he's done very well. He's won the rope, eaten the caterpillar. He's done everything. There's just one thing I was looking for that he could fit in and really make us feel yes. I gave him the microphone and I'll say, Jeremy, you've got 45 minutes. He preached for 45 minutes. I'm thinking, wow, I've got something to learn here. (laughs) He actually preached for 45 minutes. So I went home and I was praying. I prayed for my friend. I prayed for myself. And what I was praying for is that Jeremy would come to my side and by the power of the Holy Spirit, learn to preach like an African. (laughs) And I'm believing God. And I've been praying that that will happen. And what has happened this morning makes me feel like, yes, God has answered that prayer. We are, I don't know how many minutes off, but that makes me feel very welcome as an African this morning. (laughs) To actually preach to a British audience that's actually running a little bit late. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? So tell your neighbor, relax. I know they are a bit agitated. They are a bit... You have an African, and I was praying we should run on African time. Somebody shout hallelujah to that. Well, even if you don't shout hallelujah, we are still late. So you might as well relax. (laughs) So let's come to the word of God. I'll try to be as British as my Jeremy friend, but uh, and run with the time that I've been given uh, in the time that I have left. First Timothy chapter 4, and we are reading from verse 6. And I'll be reading from the other uh, passage of scripture in Mark. You are listening to an African this morning. If you can't hear what I'm saying or I go African language, you can just wave at me. Uh, you could encourage me by saying a few amens if you are led by the Spirit. But I just want to run with the word of God and just pour something, hopefully that will propel you to your next station in life. Can I hear an amen from someone? Amen. 
Can I hear a better amen from somebody? The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy somewhat at the end of his ministry. And the passage of scripture we're reading in 2 Timothy chapter 4 are advised from an elderly mature minister who has run the rest, who has fought the fight, who has done amazing things in his life, and he is, list, he is giving some advice to his son Timothy. And this is what he says to him. First Tim- 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. If you are there, say Amen. He says, for I am ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. Somebody shout, a good fight. Please, you forgive me this morning. We do responsive preaching in Africa. So I say something, you say something, and then we keep each other awake. Is that all right? Okay. Uh, So shake your neighbor and just tell them a good fight. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that final day. Not to me only, but unto all of them, that love his appearing. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. The Lord, you've uh, called us. You have appointed us. You have um, loved us and ushered us to be part of the household of God. We enjoy your love. We enjoy your grace. But we thank you this morning and this afternoon for the opportunity to be on mission with you for what you're doing within our communities and around the nations. We ask that, Father, in the next few minutes that you propel us, you will encourage us, you will stir our heart concerning your callings upon our lives and the next step for each one of us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, we ask that you provoke this word, that you speak to us, and that for each one of us, you will apply it to our specific individual and corporate situations. We glorify you, Jesus, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul says, I have run the race, I have finished the race, I have fought a good fight, I have finished the rest. My title or just a thought I want to pass by you is finishing well. I want to just stir up and maybe bring your attention to the fact that God is a good finisher. Our stop a priest, he reminded us that we all could start, but the way we finish is what matters. I was looking at the just ended Olympic uh, gold medal or medals list. And may I say a congratulation to Britain for... Uh, go ahead, clap for yourself. Uh, and for Team GB for getting 67. Is that? Medals. And um, yeah, I picked that up from the tweet from Jeremy. So that must be correct. Um, but I was looking at the gold medals list. Please don't look for Zambia on that medals list. We actually don't appear. But, 
Yeah, it's alphabetical. So I hope you don't get to the bottom. So, you know, it just Z. Where do you, well, how much do you expect a country beginning with Z? How many medals will we get? We didn't get any. But we fought hard. And we are coming. But the comfort I have is Great Britain got 67 and you are my friend. So we celebrate with you. But all those 67 medals are to do with the people who finished. The people who didn't finish don't appear. Each one of those uh, is reminding us that actually even in life, it's n- to start is important, but to finish is even more important. You know, I'm reminded in this passage of Scripture of the Apostle Paul actually talking about the crown of glory at the end. I'm coming from Africa where the poverty and the uh, difficulties have caused us to begin to preach a now gospel, a prosperity gospel, a gospel to make, feel, make people feel a little bit better. And we have forgotten the eternal perspective of the gospel that we have. In finishing well, the Apostle Paul talks about the crown of glory. And we saw that, didn't we, at the Rio Olympic. As these winners, given their medals, stand on that podium and receive their medal, their crown, whatever it is that they work for. And when they come, we applaud them. Beloved, um, I want to remind you of that day when you stand before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and before the whole universe, and he will look at you, and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. To me, that's the day I live for. You can go through pain for the gospel, because one day, Your master will crown you. You'll be rewarded. If you're a church leader, you know how ungrateful people can be. You work hard and sometimes all you receive are negative criticisms of what you should have done. Beloved, if you are looking for appreciation around here for what you do, you are looking in the wrong place. I like the attitude of Paul. He says one day, I shall be crowned with glory. That's the final finish. But before that final finish, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to run well, fight hard. And I want to pick up those few things that Paul speaks about to talk about finishing well. And as I said honestly, that my first three points have been covered by my previous speakers. So I'll run through them very quickly. And I felt that uh, because of what's happened this morning, um, it confirms uh, why the Lord woke me up at 4 o'clock this morning and I was battling and fighting some stuff I didn't understand until this morning. In fact, uh, the last part of my notes disappeared three times on my iPad. The first time I thought I had not saved it, so I de- redid the whole thing, and then it disappeared again. Not the whole message, just one section, second time. I'm going to 6 o'clock. I start writing them, and I'm thinking, I need to put this because uh, uh, I need to send it to somebody who is doing some translation so that they have some notes. And then it disappears again. I woke up my wife, and I said, what's going on? I keep losing one section of my sermon. Actually, that's the only section that my previous speakers haven't spoken on. 
So I hope I get to that because maybe I think, uh, maybe I thought, maybe the Lord doesn't want me to talk about that. That's why I have lost it three times. Uh, but then, after the prayer meeting this morning, Jeremy, I thought maybe that's what I need to talk about. Maybe there is something that's fighting me not to tell you what's contained in that section. So, let me run through that. I want to get to that last. Amen. Is that all right? Finishing well. How do we finish well? What can we learn from this great apostle, the apostle Paul? I want to begin by suggesting to you that the first thing I want to put before you, to finish well, you must start well. So if you go to your Bible, let me just uh, go to the start of the appointment of the apostles in Mark chapter 3. I just want to remind you there, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is appointing the disciples, the apostles whom he wanted. And the Bible says this in Mark chapter 3, and reading from verse 12. Okay, verse 13, the Bible says, Mark chapter 3, Jesus went up on a mountain and called to him those whom he wanted. And they came to him. Verse 14, he appointed the twelve and that they may be with him and that he might send them out to preach and that they might have, what? Authority to drive out demons. So, you notice there are the three things that Jesus is starting. So, in my first point in starting well, as uh, Topi rightly mentioned, many people start. But, beloved, um, I don't want to go over the start too quickly. I want just to go to the beginning of the appointment of the apostles. I think the success of the apostolic movement is based on the fact that they stuck to what instructions was given them at the start. I call it a job description. When I, when I worked for BP and I worked for Dunlop, two of the companies I worked for before I went into ministry in a senior executive position, the one thing they gave you at the beginning was a job description. And you had to look at the job description very carefully because it would define everything that you'd be doing in that company. Is that okay? Yeah. And so, this is some kind of a job description. And you see three key things that Jesus says to them. The number one thing, it says there that before he told them what they were to do, he called them. Somebody shout cold. It says he went to the mountain and called to him those whom he wanted. The disciples had to be very clear that they had been called. Tell your neighbor, you are called. The calling did not emanate from them. It emanated from Jesus. Beloved, the greatest thing about this is that God has called us not because we are good. God has called us because of his free volition. And I've been so blessed and I'm always blessed as I come to the UK in most of the churches. As we worship the King of Kings, we come to the place where we realize it's not by works we've been served, it's by faith. He's called us, and Jesus says to the disciples, you did not choose me, I chose you. Coming from a broken family myself, the idea of being valued is a big thing for me. Uh, my mom and dad divorced when I was uh, a mere three years old, so I didn't know what you call normal family. So uh, issues of identity were big, big issues. God had to deal with me. 
And um, I realized a lot of people don't move on in life, and I never moved on in life for a long time because I just didn't feel accepted. I, I, I blame myself for my parents' my parents divorcing. And that's why, personally, I hate divorce. If you are in this place and you're thinking of divorce, think again. At least think about the kids. I know what it means when two parents divorce. And one of the key things I couldn't deal with is that probably it's my fault. I was only three. I mean, how could it be my fault? But then what else can I think? Beloved, so when I came to Jesus... And I'm reading verses like Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. He called me before the foundations of the world. He chose me. And verse 10, I am accepted in the beloved. And um, a, a wonderful American woman began to show me how to begin to receive the father love of God for myself. Beloved, today I am what I am because I feel accepted by Jesus. My identity, hallelujah, my identity is in him. I don't care what people think about you. I do not know what family background you come from. But beloved, I'm here to declare to you, you are accepted by God. You are loved beyond description. Jesus called them. He chose them. You know, leading a work in Africa, you know, we get all sorts of identities. That's why titles are very important in Africa. I mean, and necessarily so. But we take titles very, very important. That's why when Jeremy was preaching to us in Kitwe, um, uh, the chairman of the fellowship of pastors, uh, we gathered 200 pastors from our, from our city, and they said to me, what do we call him? I said, just call him Jeremy. They said, no way. He must be Apostle Jeremy, Bishop Jeremy, or, or something. I said, if you call him that, you will kill him. <laughs> Where is your identity? Is it in something you do or in something you are before God? Very, very important. For us as church leaders, this is so important in dealing with crisis in the church. Because if your identity is wrapped up in what you do, and doing the good job, and being able to preach a powerful, wonderful message for devoted the last one, then you have a problem. Oh, I didn't hear a big amen from Chamba. Because we all feel like that. I'll come back to that in a moment. But Jesus called them. And when he called them, he said to them, you shall be my apostles. He designated them apostles. Okay, I have a problem with this. Maybe I should have asked Martin Charlesworth, who is our theological consultant in our school of leadership, to say, why did Jesus designate them apostles at the very beginning? Did he, didn't he know there is Judas, who was later to betray him? Did he know there is even doubting Thomas at the very beginning? How could these guys possibly be called apostles in their current state? They are a mess. But beloved, one thing I've come to know, beloved, that we have been qualified by God who qualifies the unqualified. Why are you a church leader? Sometimes I ask some of my pastors. 
There's only one thing. Why I'm a church, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, with a PhD in chemistry, I should have just stayed on as an executive doing my, my stuff and being comfortable. We didn't have to be looking after orphans with Lillian. But we are only doing what we're doing, not because of anything good we have done, but because we have been called by God, given an absolute privilege to be part of what God is doing at home and abroad. Isn't he an amazing God? He called them apostles not because they deserved it. He chose to. He has just chosen you to make who you are. You know, and people finish well, this is the foundation. They start well. They start with Christ. They know who they are in God. And they know they have been chosen and appointed. Chosen and appointed. Help me there. Chosen and appointed. We have been chosen by God and appointed by God. But as we think about finishing well, I want you to understand that the appointment is also personal. Each one of us has a volition and a vocation and a calling from God. The good thing about this, I noticed from the Olympic, did you notice that? That you are Team GB with all these athletes ready to go and get their medals. But each one knew their rest. They knew exactly who is doing athletics. Some had been called to do soccer, others, whatever sports they were in. But each one had a sport. In fact, I noticed that one of the ways we African nations are not getting enough medals, because they keep introducing certain sports we can't do in Africa. How would we win a medal in something we can ever do? Like, uh, you, you, you watched Cool Runnings, didn't you? And the Jamaican bobsleigh team. The whole, the one reason it was so funny because you can never have a Jamaican bobsleigh team. There's no snow in Jamaica. But beloved, the point is this, that each one of us has erased, marked up for us. And in the end, what God will reward us is whether we run our race. Did I run my race? Did I fit into what God called me? One story that always uh, used, encourages me is a story about, um, um, just a reminder, um, Sometimes when I'm doing funerals, excuse me, uh, 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 talking about funerals, uh, in Zambia, funerals are such a big thing. Uh, HIV, AIDS, people are dying everywhere. When I say everywhere. uh, Some of my pastor friends are doing funerals nearly every other week. It's a pandemic that's killing people left, right, center. But even within there, I want to quickly go forward and say, God is in that situation. We serve a God of life. We began to declare life of our church. Lillian is my, is my witness. And um, we began to speak against the spirit of death. There is death and there is also the spirit of death. L- allow me just to be African for a moment. I hope I won't, don't scare you. But the spirit of death does uh, sweep communities sometimes. And some of my pastors every week, every week, funerals, we began to pray that... Um, um, we see the manifestation of life. 
wherever people are, whatever their medical condition, after Lord Jesus says you shall have life and have it abundantly. Yes, it's spiritual life, but we are to enjoy it even now. Can I hear an amen? So we began to pray over our members' life. And those of us who have come to us, they've asked us, why do you keep declaring this word? Every Sunday we declare certain things. We put them on the screen and everybody repeat. And everybody, we speak the word of God. I'm coming back to that in finishing well. And beloved, I can tell you this small, small testimony that um, one year passed and um, I didn't have a single funeral in our church. One year. Yes, in Africa. People are dying everywhere. Pastors came to ask me, what are you doing? I said, I'm not doing anything. All we're doing is declaring life. The word of God is life. And guess what? Second year passed. Two years. Not a single funeral. I was beginning to worry. I'm going to forget my funeral service. Two years, I've never done a funeral. And not only that, beloved, last year, we clocked three years. I've not done a funeral yet. Now, I'm not saying we shall not die, but I'm saying, beloved, the word of God you hold is a powerful word that you can speak of a situation and situations can, can change. Can I hear an amen from someone? Three and a half years right now as I speak today, God is my witness. Not because we are good, not because there's anything we're doing, but that the word, that life conforms to the power of the word of God. So, when we do funerals, sometimes I come to this point, and I was reading about this. And let me just say this about purpose before uh, uh, I, I move on. Purpose, your calling, your personal assignment, your personal rest. Let's just suppose uh, tomorrow you get a letter from your doctors after your medical uh, checkup. And they say to you, we're sorry, sir or madam, that according to the results, they are not too good. Uh, you only have a month to go. There is something wrong in your body. We've discovered it late, but it looks like you've got a month to go. Can you pause for a moment and think about what would you do with your time? Would you do what you do now? Would you watch the same movies you watch? Would you spend the same weekends the way you do if you only had a month to go? What about what about church? The way you worship God, would you worship him the same way? Because that's a, not such out of the blues. Because uh, Ezekiah, as you notice, he received the, exactly the same message. He was given a fixed period. What if then they called you um, a week later? They said, sorry, madam, we went through the, uh, the reports. Uh, actually, it's not a month. We've discovered there was a mistake. It's actually just a week. What would you do with your time? Now, the point of that point, and I, I apologize if I'm distressing somebody, but it's just to get us to a point to realize that sometimes we live our lives that we've got, like we've got the rest of forever. Anybody here who knows how their tomorrow looks like? No, in fact, God only gives us one day at a time. And the point of all that is this, that many people have packed their assignment in life thinking i'll do it one day but which day beloved as we go home after this devoted god is reminding us that he has chosen you and he has appointed you to finish your race 
and to run your course and to fight your fight. Can I hear the man? So that's the first thing that Jesus did. He called them and he appointed them. Then he said the, three, the, the following three things. Number one, um, in verse 13, look at that with me. He says that they might be with him. That's the core to intimacy. The apostolic mandate is that we should be with Jesus. That you should spend time with him. Number two, that you should send them out to preach. That's number, the second one. The sent out ones. Christ central churches. We are called to intimacy. We are called to go. Jesus called us to be with him so that we may go. Jeremy reminded us last night that the river was to thrash out, to take us out into the nations. That we may go. And the third part of that is this. That they might have power and authority over demons. That they might cast out demons. That they might have power. Somebody shout power. Now, you know, I was going to talk about um, um, the core to intimacy, but Jeremy did a powerful job showing us there that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God calls us to himself. He refreshes us and then uh, he makes us fruitful that we may go and take his presence to different parts of our lives, our nations, and our communities. But within that, let me just mention this. That the call to intimacy, that our intimacy with Jesus is what shapes our mission. The, we cannot go really without experiencing this river. Without the river, beloved, without being with Christ, we, we will be doing mission in our own strength. You will be doing that church plant in your own strength. The level of the activity of the Holy Spirit in your church, in your community, is correlated to our intimacy and time with God. And may I con uh, confirm and just affirm uh, Christ Central and the emphasis on connecting to Jesus. Somebody asked me, why did you become part of Christ Central? I just said, it's in the name, part of it. The friendship I share with wonderful people, Jeremy and other, others. But also, when, you, when I said to my African friends, Christ Central, they thought, what a wonderful name. But also, it's not just a nice name. It's who we are. We are centered on Christ. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen from somebody? Jesus is our center of everything that we do. So Jesus said they should be with him. And that shaped them. That shaped the mission that they did. That shaped everything that they would do. I would have talked to you about David, who made that his primary focus. Psalms 27. He says, one thing I ask for and that I desire, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David's desire was the presence of God. We could be reminded of Moses who says, I'm not going unless you go with me. 
He took hold of this one thing. The presence of God was his number one priority. As long as God was there, all was well. Beloved, that's the biggest promise with our commission. Wherever you go, you are never alone. Jesus says, I will be with you. So Jesus said that they were to be with him. The focus of his presence. Mary and Martha, you remember in the story in Luke 10. I mean, he says to, 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 to Martha. Sometimes I say to Mary. Sometimes you mix them up. But he said, you are so busy with so many things. But only one thing is needful. And your sister's got that. And nobody can take you that away. Isn't that wonderful that nobody can take away the presence of God in our life? And that's the cry of Paul. What can separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, things present, things to come. Nothing. In all these things we are more than conquerors. Beloved, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, the presence of God is your number one comfort. Can I hear the men from somebody? Can I comfort you with that? It shall be well with you. Why? Because God is with you. As we go, it shall be well with us, with our churches, because the Lord is with us. Then he said, number two, that they were to go. Those who finish well know they start well. They've started with Christ. They know their calling. They know their appointment. And they are, they know their God, their own mission with God. And, uh, the second thing I want to just say, uh, as I, uh, as I come to my final point, which I want to focus on in the last few minutes, is this. And that is that, uh, Paul says, not only did he start well, he said he ran well. He ran well. He says, I have run the rest. As I said, this deals with the whole issue of knowing what race you have to run. He knew he was cold. He focused on his race. And he never gave up. Beloved, I came to say to somebody, whatever you're going through in your calling with God, never give up. Because one day, he who called you will come and reward you. He ran well. He says, I've run the rest. How do we run strong? Jeremy talked about the fullness of the Spirit. We run well under the action of the Spirit. We are a Spirit-filled people. Beloved, there's no other way to run, to keep the endurance, but by the Spirit of God. Jesus promised them, he says, I'll not leave you orphans, but the Holy Spirit will come and he shall lead you. Here is my final point. To finish well, you start well. To finish well, you run well. And then he says, to finish well, you fight well. What did he say? I have fought the fight. I have finished the rest. It seemed to suggest to me, beloved, now this is the part, uh, parts of this that I was struggling with, with my note. But let me go through this very quickly. And can I just give it to you as it is. Number one, Paul is saying he fought the fight. Now, we do fight in our lives in different areas. And I think um, one of the things that uh, really challenged me as I was growing up in my faith, um, I gave my life in 1977, quite a few years ago, 30 old years uh, plus. But one thing I kept asking God is that why do we have to fight for things that God has given us? 
Why did the children of Israel uh, under Joshua have to fight to enter into Canaan when God says, I have given you Canaan? That's one thing that I, re- I-, I began to understand and that, you know, there is a fight. Paul says, I have fought. Now, we could be fighting situations in our life, things, adverse situations like we've been taught in this conference that are challenging our faith. We fight. Goliath stood and David had to stand and fight Goliath. Beloved, God has called us to fight for things that he has promised to us. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear better amen, somebody? Now, Paul says this. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 13. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual rulers in the high places. Now, there are natural fights, but there's also a spiritual fight. Now, I just want to be a bit open to this because there, there is something that God wants to deal with in this place um, in the next few minutes. That Paul emphasizes again the issue of a spiritual warfare. A battle. There is a battle beyond what's human. As if there is um, a backstage enactment of your private life. To your private life, which is being played in normal life, there is a back private battle in the spirit that's going on. But may I be very quick to mention this. Because this is the battle I believe Jesus referred to in Matthew chapter 16 when he first referred to the church. He says, I am building my church. And help me. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, please listen to me just for a few minutes. If you're involved in church, I just want to speak a, a, a certain line here coming from Africa and a few years of trying to build these churches. That there is a certain battle, especially us who are involved in ministry and breaking new ground, Jeremy, that begins to happen because of the very nature of taking ground from the enemy. Now, Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality and powers. And I think this is an apostolic mandate to understand that there is a battle that's going on. Jesus says, when you go, you shall have authority over what? Over what? Talk to me, somebody. That you shall go and cast out. You remember those things? They used to be in Britain at one time, but uh, they've all come to Africa now. You remember one time demons? Do you have them in the UK? No. Do you have them? Do you see them once in a while popping up their ugly head in some of our churches? Hello? Beloved, there's a battle there. It says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The first thing I want to say is on spiritual warfare, that as we go, as we go, beloved, there are certain battles which the enemy wages. Now, the problem that has happened over the years is because we got some fringe Christians took this issue and started calling any problem that happens a demon, it put off the church. And I know many places where this subject is almost taboo. 
And I was a Baptist when I started uh, Jeremy, and I knew that we had the theology that well, you are a Christian, demons, are, you are delivered, everything is gone. There's nothing, I mean, it's gone, it's over. Um, and so this topic is not even an issue. Jesus dealt with it on the cross, it's finished. The problem is that when I started running churches, I started seeing spiritual oppressions amongst believers. And now, if there is a spiritual attack, beloved, let me just, can I just talk to you for a moment? Can I just talk to you for a moment? Because some of you, as you are propelled, the one thing that is stopping your propulsion is a spiritual oppression somewhere in your ministry or in your life. Now, you do not need anybody to come and give you a diagnostic. Some of you actually know that there seems to be an invisible force that's stopping you from launching out. For some people, you know, for me coming from Africa, and we deal with this a little bit on a higher le- on sort of more frequent level. You know, I could, I could see somebody I'm counseling, and I'm saying this is a demonic oppression. Now, can I say something without offending anybody? You cannot counsel somebody out of a spiritual oppression. No amount of counseling will deal with it. So Jesus gives us what we should do. He says, you should cast it out. Now, that's where the problem comes. Because how do you cast things like this from people who are in church? Now, I've got a theological problem with that. But I don't have an experiential problem. Because so many people, including senior ministers who could be more than they are, they are titling at the fringe of just something limiting them. Something seems to run through their life, through their ministry, that just holding something back. And let me tell you, one of the ways I've seen it a lot in Great Britain is Oppression to do with the mind. There's a lot we see. Oh, people just, you just feel it. Is that okay for me to say this? You just feel it. And you know there is just something here. You can't put your fingers at it, but you know it's there. Beloved, we fight. Not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. May I suggest to you, senior leaders who are here, the beloved, I do believe, as we push the frontiers of the gospel around the world, the church is reclaiming this ground back. Hello? We are, God is reclaiming spiritual warfare and authority back to the church. So, beloved, if the enemy creeps in in the church, I've dealt with two, three churches in the UK context, where for me coming from Africa, it was pretty obvious that there is a lot of demonic activity happening in the church. I had no context to tell my fellow pastor friend in the UK because I did not want to scare him. And this thing manifests itself in a number of ways. Most of it, and please listen to me, those of you who are breaking new ground, if you allow me, uh, Jeremy. Those of you breaking new ground, you're planting a new church, or you are in apostolic extension, you are taking territory from the enemy. Please listen to me. This is where the major manifestation of that, because what you're doing is extending the authority of Jesus into new areas. 
Amen, Rob. So what it is is that, you see, the enemy doesn't like that. He will push back at you. He will attack you. Now, the way he attacks most of, most of the time is to try to distract you. Distract you from what you're doing. And so he will attack things around you. In the last two years, Jeremy, I've had a number of pastors um, where I could see clearly their families are under some kind of spiritual oppression. Mainly because of what the family is involved in to push the gospel forward. Maybe in a little way, what we can bring to the table from our end is a little bit of, there is another way of dealing with this. Because I I have seen families, great potential, hearts in the right place, but somehow just one wave of attack after the other. And in some cases, the leader has to step down because there's so many issues in the family. Actually, the trick of the enemy was to put him out of the rest by one wave after the other on the family. I call it a gate issue. Because when Jesus says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he's talking about the forces, the power of hell shall not prevail. And we thank God, they will not prevail. But the only thing is this, when he went, he says, you, me, cast out devils. He said to us, now, in the first time, before Lillian has a deliverance ministry, which um, even the Go Zambia team, five young people came to Africa. I mean, I said to Lillian, don't scare them. <laughs> These are proper British pe- uh, guys from proper British family. My friend Rob Coleman put this team together. Uh, these are uh, Graham Anne's, you know, son, and uh, you, you know, the. We had uh, uh, Ruth, Rob Coleman's daughter. These are properly well-groomed children. They are not the kind of ones you talk to about demons. You see, that's the other problem. Because in some parts of the world, I don't know about here, every time you talk about a demon or you talk about an oppression, we always associate it to you doing something wrong. Listen to me. You don't have to do anything wrong for the enemy to attack you. That's his job description, is to attack you. That's why the Bible says we fight, not against flesh and blood. So you see, the fact that you have an oppression is not necessary. It could be your fault. Sometimes it could be some stuff. People, people get involved in the occult, free mercenary, uh, uh, secret society backgrounds, all sorts of curses, covenants that people go to. That's one area which we could deal with. And people are coming in our churches with some of these oppressive things. And you wonder why they can't just cross certain things. Is the power of the Lord limited? No, it's not limited. He said to you, cast out. Is that okay? So I've seen people, especially men and women of God, families that are under some level of oppression. So when the team came, uh, uh, they actually asked, they said to Lillian, we want some prayers. So I said, I said to my sweetheart, easy, easy here, sweetheart. We do not want to upset the first Go Zambia team to Africa. We need to be very careful. Uh, I said to them, are you sure you want deliverance prayers? They said, yes. So anyway, they had the general one. 
And after the general one, they had, after the general prayer, general prayers, we prayed, and they were so blessed, they, were, they, they said this, like something going. We didn't know what they meant by something disappeared. They are all Christians, spirit-filled. They asked for a second session, and, they, and we prayed, and they spent two hours. One of them spent a, literally the whole time on the floor, filled with the spirit, delivered, cleared. I got a report last week from the parents that when he came out of the plane, they looked at him, the parents says he was visibly changed. Just visibly changed. We don't know. So we, 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 our prayer, beloved, I'm one of you. Our prayer, beloved, is that you've taught us intimacy with God. Christ central, we are shaped by this. Every time I'm looking for Lou and the worship band in our local churches, the presence of God is amazing. Intimacy with God. Mission. Look at the offering. Giving to mission. Many of you have been asking, not only missions to the nation, to your neighborhood. We are very good. Now, I just felt, even this morning, as we go, part of the propulsion, the picture I saw, Jeremy, is this man about to slam the accelerator and this vehicle to take off. However, there is a problem I saw in that car. His other foot was still on the brakes. So the, the acceleration is there. You can't say the car has no power, but you're only going to see the power if you take your foot off the brakes. So that resistance, something that stands in the way. How do we deal with spiritual oppression? First of all, see, it's there. First of all, we've got to get past the theology and understand that, 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 that we're not talking about being demonized. No, nobody is being demonized here. But we're talking about an oppression. Uh, uh, Acts chapter 10 verse 38, it says, Jesus went about doing good. And uh, doing what? Uh, preaching the gospel and healing all those who were? What's the word? Healing those who were? Oppressed. So there was an oppression that Jesus was dealing with. And I, I do feel... Uh, um, there is some people right here as we go that one of the things that will propel you is to allow the power of God to break that oppression over your life. And I'll be asking some people in the next few uh, minutes, two, uh, two types of people, I'll come back to that in a moment. One, if you feel that there is something over you or your family, own ministry, that is kind of oppressing, pushing things down. You can't put your finger at it. It probably could be that there is a discernment. Most believers actually know this. It's not new. It's just that sometimes you just don't know how to deal with it. There is actually a, a word of knowledge I'm, I'm, I'm feeling of somebody sitting even in this place right now. You could feel a sense of just a cloud, a heavy cloud over you. No, sir, it's not depression. Depression is a medical thing. There is also a spiritual oppression that just descended. You remember 
even upon Elijah. Just as an oppression. And by the authority of the, of the word, we speak that out of your life in the name of Jesus. Some of you, and this is a condition that's common, and that is that, can I talk to church leaders, senior church leaders, especially those, not everybody, please get, hear me well. The, I just felt this, some people, even this morning at 4 o'clock as I was praying, that there are people that, that there's attacks in your family. There is stuff going on in your family, and the whole point of that is to undermine your authority. Your ability to stand and preach is beginning to be weighed down because you're saying to yourself, how could I even talk to other people? Look at what's going on in my family. And the whole point of the enemy is to eat out at the gates of that church, the authority of the church. And normally it's to the minister. The other manifestation of this, I've seen that certain people who come in the church, whom the enemy plants there specifically to distract you. Problems that never finish. You've been doing counseling on them for the last two years. You are getting tired. And the church is stalling because your energy is going, trying to deal with this, with this. The problem that never ends is not just a problematic member. Maybe it is an enemy who is planting things to eat away at your authority. We just want to pray for more discernment in that area. But also, we want to pray for people who feel there is a kind of limitation. There's a kind of a, an invisible ceiling um, that the enemy has put upon you. We want to speak the authority of the word. Let me finish with Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. Um, and it says this. Through the church. And didn't Jeremy preach a, a fantastic message. Thank you, Jeremy. In Africa on that verse. Through the church. That the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to who? The principalities and powers. Amen. Through the eternal purpose of God. So you see, the whole point I'm seeing here is that as this church, as we are propelled, as we begin to see the oppression of the enemy broken, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the principalities. The, the issue here is that the church has been given authority to deal with some of this oppression. Is that okay? Have I helped somebody with that last bit? Now I've preached it without notes because I kept losing my notes. I know I've missed up a, lo- a, lo- a lot of things, but maybe the bits I've picked, they are for somebody here. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. Many of us are good fighters in many areas. But I feel this evening... Or this afternoon, only one area we'll deal with, and that is fight the spiritual oppression in your church or over your life or over your family. Close your eyes for a moment. I'm out of time. Let's do this. Just pause for a moment. I'll ask my wife Lillian to come just for a moment. Just talk to God for a moment and ask the Lord, Is what is it? What is it that is fighting me? I want to fight. I want to, f- to finish well. We have to learn to fight. Grandma's give me a lovely scripture just before I came. 
He says, you caused me to leap over the wall. Hey, some of you, there is an acceleration, a momentum coming, a propulsion coming as we go in our churches. And we want to speak also to that limitation. And we don't want that label. We want to challenge that label, Jeremy, that says that our churches up in the north are in their average hundreds. I'm seeing in my spirit that in the next few years we shall see large churches in the north. Jeremy, I further saw that the battle that we had last night, the battles that are going on as we're pressing in the Spirit of God, that even in the announcement this morning, that there has been a battle over devoted. Forgive me for saying that, but in the Spirit, uh, the enemy, this is, this is been launched, it's breaking ground. Just like the Cross Central Partnership. Jeremy, in the last two, three years, you've been breaking ground and winning ground. And like Joshua, is, he is, God is aging us to press in and press on. The battle shall be fierce, but we are on the winning side because Jesus overcame on the cross. As we gain more ground, I feel the Lord is saying, you know, just like he said to Joshua, just obey me, harden your faith, and press in. And therefore we stand. Any attack against any further move, the enemy wants us to slow down. The Lord is pressing on us and saying, move on. He's pushing in us and saying, move on. There is the power. There is an anointing. There is the breaking out that is happening. Just pray to the Lord over that for a moment in your quiet moments. And just ask God. I'm speaking over churches as well. That any oppression, any spiritual attack, maybe on you as a leader, on your leadership, any distraction, of uh, eroding of the authority of the leader and elders in running the church, any uh, kind of distraction uh, in family attack. We are praying, God, give us discernment now. Come, Holy Spirit, and speak over us. Come, Holy Spirit, and open our eyes. Stir us up. And we pray, dear God, just accompany this word with signs and wonders following. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. While we're seated, maybe if uh, very quickly, if anything I've said in the last part of this message, you feel that's that. I just need some, something to break. Something needs to be loosed. Please, we don't have, we won't take too long, but just stand where you are. Just stand where you are. Just stand where you are quickly. Do not worry about, thank you so much for those who are standing. Just stand everywhere. You just feel there is something that needs to be broken. Just please quickly come to the front. We're just going to all stand together as in the authority. Please come. Hey. I feel there's just something. There's something. There's something. You need to work with us on this. Okay. At this moment, we'll also ask the band if they can come and help us. What we're going to do is uh, the first thing, we'll just worship God. And then we'll go in the, in the second part where we'll, we'll begin now to speak to whatever situation uh, in the authority of Jesus that he has given us. 
and renounce whatever situation it is. And then in the end, we shall say our final prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just raise our hands to the Lord and worship him. He is Lord of Lords. He is worthy of all our, our praise. And we look to the cross and we declare the finished work of the cross as we remember that there is power in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, 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 wonder-working power in the precious blood of the lamb there is power 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 wonder working power in the blood of the lamb there is power we worship you for what you have done for us on Calvary this afternoon we just want to say thank you for coming to die for us on the cross we want to declare the finished work of the cross we declare right now the blood of Jesus even over our lives and over this place and over this meeting we thank you that there is power in the blood and by the power of the blood of Jesus we defeat the works of Satan we declare that as Jesus stood on the cross he dis armed the powers and authorities we thank you Lord Jesus that we are in you that indeed you have given us the right to be called the children of God and right now we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places far above every principality and power we thank you Jesus that indeed even right now we want to take authority over every power of darkness in our lives. We want to take authority over every power in our families. We want to take authority over every power of the enemy, over our churches. We take authority over our over every power of the enemy, even over Christ's central church as a movement. We thank you, dear Lord. As a child of God, just begin to renounce whatever situation in your life. Just renounce whatever situation in your life, whatever oppression that you feel. Just say, I renounce you, oppression of the enemy over my life. If it is over your mind, if it is over your body, if it is whatever it is, whatever sickness or disease that has clung to you for many years and it has defiled the name of Jesus in your life, just speak to it, to it right now. Just confess the, the victory in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Right now, Lord, we renounce, O oh Lord, every oppression of the enemy over the children of God. We renounce right now 
every oppression of the enemy over the children of God. We declare over the church of God that we are more than a conqueror. Right now, by the finger of the Holy Ghost, we cast out any demon, we cast out any devils that may be represented in the members of Jesus in this place. We cast them out right now. We cast them out right now. We cast them out right now. Bobo shekete yekebo seterebo sete yekeseterebo shekete. You mind controlling spirits, I command you to lose your hold over the people of God in the mighty name of Jesus. You powers of sicknesses and disease, I command you by the finger of the Holy Ghost, lose your hold over the people of God. Lose them right now. Lose them right now. Lose them right now. Lose that chest right now. Lose that stomach right now. Lose that brain right now. Bobo shekete rebo shekete yamanderebo shekete ikobosa. I declare right now that every power of darkness in this part of the world, in this area of town, that does not want the people of God to experience the freedom of Christ, that your time is over. Your time is over. We disperse you, the gathering of witches. We disperse you, the gathering of Freemasons. We disperse you, the gathering of the Satanists. Again, the work of God in this place in the mighty name of Jesus. Lose your hold Satan. Lose your hold. You have already been conquered. You have lost the battle. Child of God, be free in Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Receive your freedom in Jesus' name. Bobo shekete, ribo sataramanderebo, rabo shekete yabobo, ramanderebo sekete, yehenderebo setere manderebo shekete, robo setere bebebe. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us authority to trample upon the scorpion and the cobra, and nothing by any means shall harm us. And so, you serpent, be crushed in Jesus' name. We crush your head in Jesus' name. Yebosa, rebo shekete, robo sete, yebobo, yemanderebosa. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. We give you praise, O oh Lord. We give you praise, O oh Lord. You are well able, O oh God. You are well able, O oh God. You are well able, O oh God. You are well able, O God. Yere mondo robo shendere bo setere bo 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 bo. Rieke setere mandere bo shekete. Ike bo setere mondo robo. Just receive the freedom of Christ. Receive the freedom of Christ. Raise your hands and just receive the freedom of Christ. Just receive the freedom of Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Ministry team, if you're not being prayed for, can I ask you to come and help us?
If you come forward quickly, let's just bless what God's doing. Let's stay focused on Him. Let's keep looking to Him. If you can come and help us pray, that would be great. We're going to keep looking to the Lord. If you're not being prayed for, you can go get your kids and bring them back. That's fine. But God's doing something wonderful here. We don't want to stop it. Keep pressing into Him. Keep looking to Him. He's bringing such freedom, bringing such release. Thank you, Jesus. What we prayed this morning in the prayer meeting was that Joseph would bring something which would change and break idols, would break up, would break something in our culture, would break something amongst us. And uh, that's happening right now. Something is being broken. Something is changing right now. Idols are coming down. Demons are fleeing. I shared in the prayer meeting this morning that I'd felt such oppression last night. Even as we tried to break through, there was oppression and a kickback. We are not going to allow the enemy to kick us back. We're going to press through. We're going to press through right now as we worship God. We won't get to pray for everyone today, but something started today of freedom and deliverance and us being set free into this powerful river of God. We're going to just declare... We're just going to, I'm just going to get Lily to come back again. I'm just going to get Lily to come back. Lily. I'm just going to get you to pray. I'm just going to get Lily to come back and pray over us again. This is also breaking culture in our setting because Lily has authority. I believe some apostolic authority as she prays, things are going to change. Things are going to be broken. Right, and then we're going to worship God as Lou leads us in worship. That's going to change some stuff as well. After that, this meeting is going to be over because actually this stuff needs to be picked up now in our churches, in our leadership. We need to work it through. We haven't got time this afternoon to pray for everyone. We need to break camp, but we're going to take this message of freedom and hope and deliverance back with us. So Lily's going to pray, we're going to worship God, and you're all going to get set free. Raise your hand to the Lord and just say, I thank you, O God, that I am a child of God. I am in Christ. The old has gone. Jesus has purchased me with his blood. Right now, I am seated with Christ in the heavenly places far above. Every principality and power and spiritual forces in the heavenlies. Today, I take authority over every spiritual oppression that the enemy has brought over my life, over my family, over this church. I take authority and trample upon the serpent and the scorpion in Jesus' name. I declare a release over my life, over my body, over my family, and over the church. Satan, I remind you of the cross, that you were disarmed. And so over my life, you are disarmed this day in Jesus' name. Somebody said, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Robo say. So Father, this afternoon we declare freedom. 
We declare a release over your children and over this church. We take authority that you have given unto us that we trample upon the serpent, the old, the old serpent, the devil himself. And we declare to him that you have no more power to oppress the children of God who have come for this prayer today. We declare the blood of Jesus upon everyone who has prayed this prayer today. And we speak that there shall be no counter attack of the enemy over our lives. We declare that fire has started in our lives. Fire that we shall go out with wherever we are going. Fire that shall bring release. Fire that shall bring a revival. Fire that shall cause even this movement to grow from glory to glory. From faith to faith. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank God for the display of his power and authority. The last word I wanted to say that all of you, all of you standing here are Christians. It says, the Bible says, those who believe in my name, they shall cast out. You have the authority in the name of Jesus. Jesus said to the disciples that when you go, as we go, you are not going the same way you came. You shall go as one having authority. The Holy Spirit, the river of God, does not just come out just as a nice flow. You see, it sweeps everything in its way. It influences, its impact. There is an authority to it. So we just want to say, we... we we may not have the time to pray for each one of you, but now that you've got this revelation, use it wherever you are. Don't just pray for things. There are some things you speak to and command them. Now, I just want to pray one last prayer, especially for church leaders, because I promise that. Can I do that? Uh, church leaders that are running churches... Because you may as well find that when you go back, God starts to move in your church. Where's Rob coming? Rob come. Uh, you may find that there is, a, there is a fresh start that comes. And I'm praying that there will be a wave of releasing people to a new level of release and experiencing God. Can I hear them in? So in this area, if it's okay, if you are leading a church, come in this area. If maybe you are leading a church or you are an elder on a team, come in this area. Because we may have just started a wave here that shall impact your church. And you'll be saying, it's that Joseph guy. Whatever he said. Because some of our people will be caught up in this. And... Um, I just felt late to ask Rob Coleman just to come. I'll pray. But I, I want him to pray because there's something that God is doing in his own life, as some of you may be aware. Uh, and in the church at Grace Church in this area. Thank you so much. We're doing this as family. I mean, can we do this as family? None of us is wherever. We are all just one family. Amen. Raise your hands. Now, some of you. S- 
Father, I pray, you say the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Repeat with me and say the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. In the name of Jesus, today we reestablish the spiritual authority in our church against every oppression of the enemy over our church. Mention the name of your church before God. Now, I just want you to pray that, pray that prayer a few times. Just mention it. Some of you, you, there may even be some people coming to your mind. There will be situations coming to your mind right now. Among us, this I'm seeing churches just being catapulted to a new level. Amazing spiritual growth that you shall see in your church as a result of something being broken. And so, Father, I pray, first of all, for the blood of Jesus, which already protects each one of us. We pray for their families. We are praying, dear God, that you protect these servants of the Lord who are at the front end of extending the kingdom of God. Any counterattack of the enemy, I speak in the name of Jesus that it stops right now. It stops right now. It stops right now. Just speak that. Just speak. You are a man of authority. The Lord has given you authority over that church. Speak. Just command. Lord, I command the work of the enemy in any of our lives, our families or churches to be revealed. He will not be hidden. He will not stay camouflaged. He will not stay disguised. Lord, I pray for spiritual insight, for clarity, Lord Jesus, for discernment. But in the name of Jesus, we command the work of the enemy to to be exposed. It will not hide any longer. Lord, give us eyes to see, see who we are to see what has been snatched from us and Lord we will take hold of it again Lord God we are standing we are standing Lord Jesus and we are declaring that the Lordship of Christ will will prevail in every situation in every family in every one of our communities there is no higher name there is no higher authority than the name of Jesus and together Lord God we receive that we believe that and we speak it out and we say enemy your time is up You have nowhere else to hide, and we extend the kingdom of God in every one of these beautiful lives and churches in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We're going to bring this to an end. We could carry on, and I wish we could, but do you know what? It does not end here. It starts here. It carries on. I just want to end by saying this. What I saw last night, why I was disappointed last night at the end, is I saw this breakthrough in my spirit. I could literally see it happening, and I opened my eyes today, and God said, this is it. And it's about the power of partnership. It's about the power of apostles and prophets and churches and friends and family working together. And the amazing thing about this is we don't go out now as isolated individuals. We don't go out as independent churches on our own. We go out as a family of churches working together. Family has been written all over this conference from the children right through this. And I'm just going to pray right now and this will be the final word. Trust me. We might sing, but it'll be the final word. Lord Jesus, all the glory to you. 
We thank you that primarily we're called into your partnership. We get to partner with the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we ask you now, Lord, as we commission our churches, as we go out from here, we thank you that we go out under the authority and the power of the risen Lord Jesus. We give you all the honor and all the praise. We're Christ central. He is the Lord of all. He's the King. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And we're going to give him praise and glory and honor. Amen. Let's worship Jesus together. Amen. Amen.